Hi, welcome to the Freehoff Institute of Progressive Halakha. I'm Rabbi Mark Wachowski with the 12-minute shiur number 28, the Mitzvah of Medicine, Part 2. We're using a source sheet that you can download at our website, www.freehoffinstitute.org learning, and then scroll down to the 12-minute shiur. In our last installment, we looked at how one great Rishon, or medieval halachic authority, learns that the practice of medicine is a mitzvah, a claim that neither the Bible nor the Talmud ever makes explicitly. That scholar is the Ramban, or Nachmanides, who begins with what the Talmud does say, namely that nitna reshut lirapot, the Torah grants permission to the physician to practice medicine. He then asserts that medicine is not merely permitted, but obligatory, which he proves by citing a number of Talmudic texts that allow us to administer various kinds of medicines or therapies to seriously ill persons on Shabbat or Yom Kippur, even though those actions would otherwise violate the prohibitions associated with those days. Thus, medicine must be a form of pikuach nefesh, which we know is a mitzvah that overrides almost all others. So medicine itself is a mitzvah. Fine. In this installment, we're going to turn to another scholar, the Rambam, or Maimonides, who was not only a halachist and a philosopher, but arguably the most famous Jewish physician in history. He has a different theory to explain how medical practice is a mitzvah. That theory is found in his commentary to the Mishnah in Nidarim chapter 4, Mishnah 4. The relevant clause of that Mishnah is on lines 1 through 5 of the source sheet. If one is forbidden by vow to benefit from his fellow, and then the fellow visits him, that is, to perform the mitzvah of Bikur Cholim, his fellow may stand but not sit, and his fellow may heal his life but not his property. And here, Rifuat Mamon, healing of proper, property, is understood as providing medical treatment to somebody's animals. Okay, now that's a mouthful, so let's explain. Let's say that we're dealing with two of our favorite Jews, Ploni and Almoni. We'd like to think that they're friends, called Yisrael, Chavirim, and all that, but sometimes even good friends have a falling out, and that's what's happened here. Ploni, for some reason, is mad at Almoni, and as an expression of his anger, he's taken a vow, a neder, that forbids him from accepting any sort of benefit or hana'ah, anything of value from Almoni. The vow, in effect, turns that benefit into an isur, a ritual prohibition for Plony to enjoy or consume. Now, it turns out that Plony has fallen ill, and that's where our Mishnah comes in. It tells us that despite, despite Plony's vow, Almoni is allowed to visit him, that is, to perform the mitzvah of Bikur Cholim, because it's a mitzvah, a religious duty, and not a benefit. So long as Almoni doesn't go overboard, he's allowed to do the minimum amount of Bikur, or visitation. He can stand, but he's not allowed to sit, because sitting would mean he's spending more time talking with Ploni than absolutely necessary, and then we're talking Hana'ah and not mitzvah. 
Now, let's say that Almoni is a physician, or maybe he possesses a medication that Plony needs. Almoni is permitted to heal Plony, despite Plony's vow against accepting Hana'a from him. Now, for Rambam's explanation of all this, let's look at lines 10 through 19, and we're following here the translation from the Arabic by Rabbi David Kafich. This medical treatment is not forbidden to the patient because it is a mitzvah. That is to say, Chayav Harofe, the physician, is obligated under Torah law to heal Jews who are ill. The sages derive this mitzvah in their understanding of the verse, and this is Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 2, Vahashevoto lo, you shall restore it to him, which means one is obligated to save the life of another. Thus, if one sees another in danger, and has the ability to save him, that other person, then he must do so, whether through physical action, whether with money, or whether through his own knowledge. So, although Almoni is mudar hana'a when it comes to Plony, he is allowed, indeed he is obligated, hayav, to ignore that vow because saving a person's life takes precedence over ritual obligations or prohibitions, whether they be established by the Torah, like the prohibitions connected with Shabbat and Yom Kippur, or established by an individual's neder or vow, which is the case here. So, Rambam derives this obligation to save life from Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 2, the phrase, Vahashevoto lo, you shall restore it to him. Now, but that verse on its face is not talking about saving life, but rather about our duty to restore lost property to its rightful owner. Uh, let's take a look at the verse in lines 23 through 30. Lo tireh et shor achicha o et seo nidachim vehitalamta mehem. If you see your fellow's ox or sheep gone astray, do not ignore it. Hashev tashivem la you must take them back to your fellow. Vimlo karov achicha elecha, if your fellow does not live near you, or if you don't know who he is, you shall bring it into your house and it shall remain with you until your fellow claims it, and you shall return it to him, right? Restore his lost property. Now, that, highly, that highlighted word in red, is the key. It means you shall restore it to him. That's how we translate it. But the Hebrew is an unusual formulation in that we can read it as having two direct objects, Hashevo and to. Each vowel o signifies a different direct object. One direct object refers to avedat behemto, the lost animal, you shall restore it to him. And the other refers to avedat gufo, one's lost life. You shall restore that too by rescuing him when he's in danger. Now, this is a very cute midrash, but it is not the Rambam's invention. He takes it from the Talmud in Tractate Sanhedrin, page 73a, which we can find on lines 34 through 50 of the source sheet. Min la la 
או חיה גורלתו, או ליסטין באין עליו שהוא חייב להצילו. How do we know that one is obligated to rescue one's fellow, whom he sees drowning in the river, or being attacked by a wild beast, or beset by robbers? Scripture says in Leviticus chapter 19, You shall not stand idly by the blood of your neighbor. Now we can say parenthetically that that translation of the verse in Leviticus is very much a perush or an interpretation. It's not absolutely clear exactly what that Hebrew means, but the rabbis understand it as establishing a duty to rescue. But then the Talmud asks the question, well, wait a minute, does the obligation, that is the obligation to rescue, really stem from that verse? Doesn't it stem from here, from elsewhere? How do we know that one is obligated to restore, that is to save the life of one who is threatened? That is, how do we know that you have a duty of avedat gufo? Scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 2, v'hashevoto lo, you shall return it or restore it to him. So it looks like the duty to rescue comes from that verse in Deuteronomy, to which the Talmud responds, well, if we only had that Deuteronomy verse, I might have learned from it that one is obligated to save another only when one can do it personally, begufo, but that one is not obligated to take the additional step of hiring another rescuer if one cannot personally save the victim. Therefore, the Torah gives us the Leviticus verse, which establishes that the duty to rescue applies to all manners of rescue, whether you do it personally or whether you get someone else to do it for you. All right, so according to this passage, the basic mitzvah to rescue a person from mortal danger is based upon Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 2, v'hashe votolo, the mitzvah to rescue, to restore one's life. And since medical treatment is a means of rescue, of saving life, then medicine, refuah, is also a mitzvah. So, that's the Rambam. And now that we've seen how two leading Rishonim arrive at the exact same conclusion, we need to ask that classic Talmudic question, my nafkamina, what's the practical difference between these two theories? Now, you can make a very good case that there is no difference at all. After all, both Ramban and Rambam reach the same bottom line. Medicine is a mitzvah. So maybe there is no difference, but let me suggest a possibility that just might be significant. Ramban learns the mitzvah from within the micro-situation of the doctor-patient relationship. The physician has knowledge that might heal the patient, so the application of that knowledge is defined as pikuach nefesh. By contrast, Rambam sees the mitzvah of rufuah as part of the more general duty to rescue, which itself, as we've seen, is based in a Torah verse that speaks, at least in its pshat, of the obligation to restore lost property to its owner. In this view, the practice of medicine is not an individual mitzvah that the physician owes to the patient, but rather a social mitzvah, one that is rooted in a picture of an ideal ethical community whose members are linked together by mutual responsibility, 
a responsibility to safeguard each other's possessions, and a responsibility to safeguard their lives. Rambam would have us think about the practice of medicine as not simply a doctor-patient thing, but as a communal responsibility. The good community is the one that sees to it that proper and adequate medical care is made available and affordable to all its members, full stop. Now, there's certainly a lot more we could say about that, but at the moment, the thing we need to say is that this has been the 12-minute shiur number 28 from the Freehoff Institute of Progressive Halakha. Thanks for learning with us. Lehitraot.